Today's message, Race, Religion, and Racism, Part 3, is subtitled, Be an Honest Bigot. If that's what you are, which is a bigot, racist, or prejudiced, or however you want to phrase it, I'd rather you be upfront as to who you are than pretend to smile on my face that you're about equality or that you have empathy for people of another culture or skin color. At least the skinhead white supremacist is more honest. At least I know who he is as opposed to the person who sticks their head in the sand, but yet say they're friends with me. Now check out what Dr. Price has to say. If God is for us, who can be against us? The cruel answer for blacks coming to America, almost everyone. The Christian church in America has been the leader of racism in the world. In his new book, Race, Religion, and Racism, Volume 2, Dr. Frederick Casey Price exposes how the church deviously twisted the gospel to oppose blacks in America. When blacks were first brought to this country, the lie was hatched that blacks were inferior, really just animals. In Race, Religion, and Racism, Volume 2, Dr. Price brings years of research together, revealing how the gospel was perverted to subjugate a whole race of people. This important book can be yours for your love gift of $23.95 by calling 1-800-927-3436. I'm teaching on the subject of race, religion, and racism. Race, religion, and racism. And I'm still in my introduction. This is our third session together, but I'm in my introduction. This is a very volatile issue. And uh, it is an issue that God has given me an assignment to deal with in depth. So this is not going to be a quickie, few words here and there, and then that's going to be the end of it. It's going to be in depth. And so it's something you need to follow as we go along. There, one, there is one basic uh, ground rule that I make in this series, and that is that if you, after hearing what I have to say, you may not like it, you may disagree with it, it may make you upset. It might cause you to get bent out of shape. You might actually just get downright mad with me and want to write me a letter. That's fine, but I do ask you this, that if you write me a letter, whether it's a positive letter or a negative letter, if you do not have your full name on the letter and your mailing address, then I will not read the letter. Don't send me any anonymous letter. I will not read it. And I've instructed my staff not to give me any letter unless it has your name and your address on it. And the reason for that is because I reserve the right to read that letter on television nationwide, and I want everybody in your neighborhood to know just how you feel about the subject area. So that's why I need your name and address. See, that's what's been wrong. This stuff has been done clandestine, but no more. It's going to be out in the open on the front page. So if you write me a letter, just know I'm going to read it. 
if I choose to, on television. Now, here we go. Uh, we left off with this last time. I want to get right into it. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22. Uh, it says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, it says, abstain from every form of evil. Now, the, the traditional King James says, abstain from the appearance of evil. The, even the very appearance of evil. Notice it doesn't say abstain from evil. It just says abstain from the appearance of it. If it looks like it, we ought to avoid it. Okay? Now, go to Romans chapter 12. Because I told you last time, and I want to do it today. Thank God we're going to get into it today. I want you to hear a tape-recorded message from a very prominent charismatic leader in our world today. And the tape, in my humble opinion, smacks of racism. Maybe it's not. Maybe it doesn't. But the Bible says to avoid the appearance of it, and to me, it looks like and sounds like racism. It sounds like evil, and racism is evil. To me, it's a sin. Because when you are racist, and let me say this, because I'm going, I have a section called racism that I'll get into, and I realize that I believe that, that, that racism is an economic thing. It's a power thing. But in the, out on the street, the average person's idea of racism really is racial, ethnic, and color prejudice. But I'm using the term racism as a catch-all for this segment of it, but we're really dealing with racial and ethnic and color prejudice, okay? But I just, to shorten all of that, I just say racism, okay? But just so you'll know uh, where I'm coming from. Now, <clears throat> I believe that racism exists in the church big time. And I believe that it does because nobody on a really large scale has tackled it, has has, has confronted it. There have been things said here, things said there, but nobody's really made an issue out of it, and I think it needs to be made an issue because that seems to be the only way that people perk up and take note. When you pass something by, they think that's just some little click that you did, so they pass it on by. But I'm going to inundate you with so much of this, I'm going to hit you so hard with it that we're not going to have any choice at the end of this. You're going to have to sh shape up or ship out. We're going to have to either deal with it or you're going to have to go to your graves with everything that I've said. And I don't think you want to do that because it's going to be too heavy for you to bear. So I believe that there's time for the church, and we used this scripture before, judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it, doesn't, if it begins with us, where is it, if it doesn't begin with us, what's going to happen to the people out there? So I believe in honesty. I'm an honest person. I'm honest because, not because I'm so good or because I'm so better than anybody else. I'm honest because I made a, uh, made a choice that I'm going to be an honest man. I can lie and I can tell the truth. I just decided that I'm going to tell the truth. That's all. Not because I don't know how to lie. I could tell the biggest lie you ever heard. The fish was that big. Minnow, but the fish was that. I, I know how to lie. But I stopped all that when I got saved. When I got born again, I stopped lying. And I started dealing with the truth. So I believe in full disclosure. Most people don't because they can't handle it. But I'm a person that's just out front. What you see is what you get. And I, de I deal in honesty and I deal in full disclosure. And I believe that this thing, this racism monster, has to be dealt with and it needs to be fully disclosed. Like it or lump it, take it or leave it. That's what we're going to do. So I want to show you from the scripture because everything that I do, I make a 
a valiant attempt to find rationale or basis for it in the Word of God. I will not knowingly do something if it's not consistent with scriptural or biblical or Christian principle. I won't do it. Not knowingly. Understand what I'm saying? See, notice I'm qualifying. I'm not, I don't know everything, so I might end up doing something that I don't know about. But I know about this. Okay? And so I'm going to deal with it honestly and straightforward. So I want you to see what the Scripture says about it because when I play this tape, it's going to blow you away. And you're going to see how dishonest people can be. But I'm not one of them. Romans 12 and 17, it says it this way in the New King James. It says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Now, as good as the New King James is, I don't like that translation because the original King James carries it out like it ought to be. This is what it says in the King James Version. Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. See, provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now, all men would mean all men. Now, surely, if he says provide things honest in the sight of all men, surely we ought to provide things honest in the sight of all men of God. Can you agree with that? All right, look, go to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, you mark these scriptures down and check them out for yourself before you write me some critical letter about what you disagree with. Because I'm going to give you scripture and enough of it to wrap the rope of scripture around your scrawny neck and choke out all of your unbelief. And I didn't call any names, so don't take it personally unless you're the one I'm talking about. All right, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, I'm sorry, 18. Hebrews chapter 13, but verse 18, not verse 8, verse 18, the one after 17. All right, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Now, again, that's not really what it's saying in the original and in the King James Version. It says it better. It says, have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. And see, to live honestly to me means tell me what you're thinking. Don't shake my hand and give me some kind of charismatic hug and act like you love me when you hate niggas. Don't do that to me. You tell me the truth. I refuse to deal with liars. I pray from you pray for you from afar, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Because I deal in the truth and you're dealing with a lie. If you don't like me, fine. You don't want my children around your children. Long as our kids are in armed little babies, then we don't have a problem. When they start getting the big up teenagers, when they start getting eyes for each other and want to date and all that, then you want to start playing funny. Well, be honest about it. Tell me from day one that you don't like black folk and you don't want any, the possibility of some black folk in your family. Tell me that now. Okay, all right, let's go on. Willing to live honestly. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. See, all this is in the Bible, this business of honesty. We have too many dishonest Christian leaders. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 
and verse 21. 2 Corinthians 8 and 21 says, providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Again, the King James says it better. It says providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And when it says sight of men, that would have to mean black men, white men, red men, brown men, and yellow men. All men. Men. Okay? In the sight of men. In their sight. So that means you ought to be honest in view of everyone. That's what it says to me. Now, while you're there in 2 Corinthians, look at the 13th chapter. 13th chapter and verse 7. It says, Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. Now listen to this in the King James Version, which I think says it like it ought to be. Now I pray to God that you do, not, that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that, you, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobate. Notice honest. Honest means tell the truth. Honest means tell it like it is. Honesty means speak from your heart. Honesty means tell it like you really feel, like it really is. Don't live that behind closed doors and then present some other faith in public, but be honest everywhere at all times about your real feelings. Now, in Ephesians 4, go there now, Ephesians chapter 4, not very far from where you are, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, they say it exactly like it ought to be here in the New King James. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 says, therefore putting away lying. Uh, let's see. Did that say that? Let, 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 me, let, let me read that again. Therefore, putting away lying. And see, you not only lie by your words, you lie by your actions. See, it's not limited to just words. It's the way you, the way you act. You're smiling at me, but you don't like me because I'm black. See, that's lying. He said, put it away. He's talking to Christian. Put it away. He says, put it away. Get rid of it. If you don't like me, tell me you don't like me. Don't be smiling at me, shaking my hands, and taking my offerings, and then you don't like me just because of the color of my skin. You're telling a lie. All right, here it is. Listen to it. Listen, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now, that's, that'd be the Bible. Now, as I pointed out before, as, I, as we listened to that uh, recorded message from the Klan, you remember the one I met, read, uh, played on the very first time? I've said it before, but I want to say it again. I obviously do not agree with the position of the Ku Klux Klan. But I have to admire their honesty. I said it before. But I, it's too bad that the church, this so-called born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Bible-toting, tape recorder-playing, red, orange, and green, and yellow, highlight-marking Christian can't be as honest as the Ku Klux Klan. 
They don't leave any doubt about how they feel about black folk. They don't like niggas, and they'll tell you right now, we don't like niggas, we don't want niggas around us, and we sure don't want to intermarry with niggas. Hey, I can appreciate that. I mean, I don't agree with them, but at least I know where the snake is. So I don't have to step on that sucker by accident and get bitten. The Christians, the church, playing these games and not being honest about it. All right. Now. Want you to listen. Now, let me say this. It is not my purpose. Say it's not Dr. Price's purpose. It is not my purpose to belittle, malign, castigate, or talk bad about any person. But because I believe in the truth, and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, then I believe in letting it all hang out. Okay? Now, I'll tell you some other things about this tape shortly, but it's, it's, I think it's an important message, and it speaks to this issue that I have been talking about. This tape-recorded message was done about four and a half to five years ago. And um, there were some names that were mentioned in the tape. And so we have bleeped those names out. Because as I say, I'm not interested, per se, in you knowing who it is. I'm interested in the content of what is being said, because I think it speaks to an issue. I think that it's symptomatic, and it gives us a good, clear indication of where problems lie. I could tell you the name of the person. Now, some people are going to recognize it because they heard the tape before, but they already know who it is anyway, so me playing it ain't changing nothing. Okay? Roll the tape. I hope you can hear this. <clears throat> I can't tell your kids who to go with and who not to go date. Not my responsibility. If you don't want your kids dating somebody, then you control it. But you control it a long time before they ever get to be dating age. You talk about, we're friends. We can be friends with everybody. We are not prejudiced, but we are not going to date this group of people. It's not in our, it's not in our, it's not, it's not in our culture to do it. We're not going to do it. If you want to, there's no problem with that. That's fine. You're not a racist. You're, and you're not prejudiced just because you set down those kind of roads. Hello? If you want, I'm walking deep, that's right. But if you want, if you want mixed, fine. That's, if you want it, that's fine. But if you don't want it, then you control it. And you don't have to be a racist about it. And I'm not afraid to talk about it because I, I've got 30% of a different uh, black in this, in this congregation. And I've talked to many of them. Talked to the men about it. I've talked to about it. Talked to I've talked to a lot of these people about it. And they all 
understand where I'm coming from. We got some beautiful mixed marriages in our congregation, but I have talked to them also, and they have they have not been without their problems. <clears throat> Hello? Come on, people, let's be let's get our head out of the sand. And I'll get accused again like I always do that I'm against mixed marriage. I did not say I was against mixed marriages. I said it's up to you, but if you don't want your kids involved in it, then you're the one that has to do something about it, not the church. And just because you change churches, it's not going to have the problem. Some people say, well, we'll change churches. No, we'll move away. We'll go somewhere else and start all over. No, it's not. You, you, you're, not you're just going to take the problem with you. Hello? Many years ago. Listen carefully. I was in the kindergarten. We came home. This young little man was there. Nice young man. We just talked to the We said, hey, look, we friends, we play. We, we go together as groups. But we don't date one another. I mean, we started in kindergarten. Hello? That just was our rules. Now, once, once somebody gets up and they get of age, they get to be 21, 18, then they can choose to do what they want to. You ain't got no choice. You, you, you can't do nothing about it. They're on their own. I tell you what. The Bible says if you train a child up the way you want it to go, when it gets old, it won't depart. It may wobble around a while, but it'll come back. Hello? You say, well, my Lord, soul, Pastor, you, you're talking heavy. I am, and I've got close to air conditioning because I'm sweating like everything. But i tell you something. I just decided that if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn over every stone there is. Like it or lump it. Amen or oh me. Now I'm going to tell you what, you, I, I'm white and I'm saying this, so a lot of people, yeah, he's a white. Hey, I got a lot of, we have had a lot of the the black parents that have come to us and they say, we don't like this, we don't want this. How do we stop it? Hello? Same way we do. Hello? That we enjoy fellowship with one another, that we can go together as groups, we can live and work together, we just don't go with one another and we just don't mix our races. And you say, rrr, rrr, rrr. I hear some of you. That's fine. I'm going to tell you what, people. There's only... There's, what did you say? How many percent? Huh? There's only 13% of the population that is of your color. 
If we continue to mix it, you ain't gonna be none of you left. <laughs> there ain't nobody gonna be able to say, black is beautiful, they're gonna have to say, mix is beautiful. I don't mean that wrong. I don't think that we ought to mix any of the races. That's my personal opinion, okay? I'm not, I didn't tell you not to do it, and I'm not going to throw you out if you have. But I'm talking about an issue that we have a problem with, not just in churches. Some of you that don't even know about it, because, my Lord, my wife said quit. It is a problem that is being had all over the United States. Not just here. But if we will establish relationships, we can have tremendous results. We can live and work together in unity and harmony. And we can be what God wants us to be. And we can live right, talk right, do what God wants. But parents don't provoke your children. Children don't provoke your parents. Obey them if you want to live long. And I've gone too long. I'm sorry. Bow your heads, please. Now, <clears throat> I told you, we read it. The Bible says avoid the appearance of evil. Now, it, that tape appears to me to be racist. Now, again, I'm not trying to find fault with the individual. I'm trying to deal with an issue, and uh, an issue that I believe is very important. I wanted you to hear it because you get the inflections. You get the, the stressing of this, that, and the other. And it wasn't like an off-the-cuff one word. That's eight minutes worth. That's eight minutes. You don't just say that off-the-cuff eight minutes. There's a biblical principle that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I want to play that again, and I want to comment as I go along because, again, I think it's so important. You see, if we don't find out why a condition exists, then we cannot properly treat it. When you go to the doctor, you, you're having a pain, pain in your chest, bothering, you can't sleep, and you, you, your mind is beginning to play tricks on you, getting, becoming very concerned about it. So you go and make an appointment to go to the doctor, and you go to the doctor, and you tell the doctor what's wrong, what you're experiencing. Well, the doctor is medically trained to know that there might be nine different things causing a pain in the chest. It might not be the heart. might not be anything wrong with your heart. It might be something else. But the doctor can't afford to give you a heart transplant just because you're complaining about a pain in your chest. The doctor has to do a workup. He's got to get your medical history. He's got to ask you a lot of questions. He's got to ask you questions not only about yourself presently, but last week, last year, last month, your family, what happened in their lives in terms of certain things being uh, operating in their lives because all of it could impact upon you. You could have inherited something genetically. So the doctor, before he can afford to make a diagnosis and certainly start treatments, he's got to find out what the problem is because he might treat for the wrong thing. 
And we've got to do that with this issue of racism. We've got to go back. And people say, well, why you want to go back? I can't, why don't we just let it alone? That's what the devil keeps saying, just let it alone. And then that way we never find out why the thing started so we can't ever deal with it. We just want to wash it under, push it under the bed. We got to bring this turkey out in the open. It's unpleasant. I don't like it. But I like less being disobedient to my God who gave me the assignment to do it. Okay? So... I want to play this again. I hope, were you able to hear that? Yeah. All right, play the tape and be prepared to stop it. I can't tell your kids who to go with and who not to go date. Not my responsibility. If you don't want your kids dating somebody, then you control it. But you control it a long time before they ever get to be dating age. Now, did you hear that? See, this is where all this garbage comes from. See, I realize, and I said this before, all of you that are listening to me now, black or white, you didn't, you didn't start it, and I didn't start it. But we all are the result of how we have been brought up. And certain things have been planted in the minds of people when they were children. Some things directly and some things subliminally. And this stuff has come up in us, and when we see certain things, like Pavlov's dog, you ring the bell, and the dog salivates. Ain't even nothing to salivate about. But he's been conditioned by conditioned response that when he hears the bell, he salivates whether he sees any food or not. And so some people salivate. When they see a black face, they salivate, and they do it because they've been conditioned, and it starts at the home. I hope you heard what he said. You do it a long time before they become dating age. Now, there are a lot of people that got upset with me some time ago when I made this statement, and I realize it's not everybody, and I'm not saying that it's everybody. Give me enough uh, credit for having that much sense, but it's too many, and the ones that perhaps don't haven't said anything about the ones that do, so that gives the ones that do the license to think they're right in continuing to do it because the others won't say anything about it. But white people as a group, train their children. It starts in the house. It's not in the gene. It's not genetic. Now, that's not everybody. I know that. That's not everybody, and I'm not saying it's everybody. But you know what? It did not take every person who was a German and a citizen of Germany way back when Adolf Hitler came to power. It didn't take but one man to slaughter millions of innocent people. Amen. So it's not about the fact that we're saying it's everybody. It doesn't have to be everybody. It can be just enough to start a war and to annihilate and extinguish the lives of six million people plus all the other millions that we, they don't even talk about them as though they don't even count. We only remember the Holocaust the Jews that were destroyed. What about all the other people? What about the people in Poland? What about the people in Hungary? What about all those other people that lost their lives and lost everything they had? Nobody ever thinks about them. They don't even count. You talk about we're friends. We can be friends with everybody. We are not prejudiced, but we are not going to date this group of people. Not in our, it's not in our, it's not, it's not in our culture to do it. We're not going to do it. Now, see, my only thing is this. That's fine with me. <laughs> you don't want to date. 
but, but there is a certain thing in my mind called cause and effect. And for every effect, there's a cause. And the effect is we don't date these people. That's the effect. Got to be a cause. I want to know why not. And we just read all these scriptures about honesty. If you're honest, you got to tell me why not. Why not? God doesn't have a problem with it. Why do you? If you want to, there's no problem with that. That's fine. You're not a racist. You're, and you're not prejudiced just because you set down those kind of roads. Hello? If you want, I'm walking deep, that's right. But if you want, if you want mix, fine. That's, if you want it, that's fine. But if you don't want it, then you control it. And you don't have to be a racist about it. And I'm not afraid to talk about it because I, I've got 30% of a different uh, black in this, in this congregation. See, the whole thing is black. See, it's this black and white thing. See, he said we got all these other people, but he didn't talk about the Hispanics. He didn't mention the Hispanics. He didn't mention the Asians, only the blacks. I hope you're picking up on this. I'm dealing with a symptom here. I'm not dealing with the man. I'm dealing with a symptom, but he represents something. When you're a leader and you stand in the pulpit and minister to people, somebody's going to believe that what you say is from God. And that's how this crap got the way it is now because of so-called leaders and ministers getting up talking this kind of stuff. Nobody challenging them. That day's over. Days over. Okay. Okay. Come on. Okay. All right. Roll the tape. Talk to many of them. Talk to the men about it. I've talked to about it. Talk to. I've talked to a lot of these people about it, and they all understand where I'm coming from. I do too. We got some beautiful mixed marriages in our congregation, but I have talked to them also, and they have, they have not been without their problems. Now, isn't that something? See, here's what he's saying. He's saying that only mixed marriages have marital problems. So if you stay within your so-called ethnicity and only marry people of your kind, you're not gonna have any marital problems. Give it a rest. A marital problem is a marital problem. I don't give a care if it's a financial problem, a sexual problem, a wife-beating problem, a husband-beating problem, a molesting of kids problem, a drug problem, an alcohol problem, whatever it is, a gambling problem, it's still a problem and it can wreck a marriage. Give it a rest. They have not been without their problems. I don't know of any married couple that haven't been without their problem. What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Hello? Come on, people. Let's be, let's get our head out of the sand. 
And I'll get accused again, like I always do, that I'm against mixed marriage. I did not say I was against mixed marriage. Now, I want you to hear this carefully because this is, this, this is awesome. He said, I am not against mixed marriages. Did you hear him say that? Or did I miss this? He said, I'm not against mixed marriages. Well, then if you're not, there should be nothing else to say about it. Hey, if you're not against it, you must be for it. Up to you, but if you don't want your kids involved in it, then you're the one that has to do something about it, not the church. Yeah, that's it, not the church. If the church doesn't have an influence on how you live your life, and raise your kids, what on God's green earth is the church and the Bible good for? I have always been a very sexually active person. I enjoy my sexual encounters with my wife immensely. I like sex <laughs> with my wife. But I have had many offers since I have been married to my wife from other women that are not my wives. And my body wanted to do so because my body, like your body, has never yet been born again. Only our spirits have been changed. But the Bible, because it influences my life, tells me that that's adultery and that's against God and God doesn't like it. So I tell my body, no, you're not going to do that. My point, my point is that if the, if the church and the Bible are not going to have any influence on your actions and your thoughts, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't understand that. Roll the tape. And just because you change churches, it's not going to have the problem. Some people say, well, no, we'll change churches. No, we'll move away. We'll go somewhere else and start all over. No, it's not. You, you. You're not, you're just going to take the problem with you. I didn't know that it was a problem. God never says it's a problem. Why is it a problem? It's only a problem when you object to it. But just because you object to it doesn't make it wrong. Hello? Many years ago, was in the kindergarten. See, we beeped out the name of the child. See, see, many years ago when was in kindergarten. That's where the garbage starts. That's where it starts. A little young impressionable mind, like a piece of raw clay. We came home. This young little man was there, nice young man. But black, probably. We just talked to the We said, hey, look, we friends, we play. We, we go together as groups. 
but we don't date one another. I mean, we started in kindergarten. Now, I want you to, to remember when, when he started, when they started. Now, can you imagine what kind of message does it send to that little innocent child? Obviously, that child is going to begin to think that there's something wrong with those people. That's how it starts. Subliminally. That's how it starts, see? And every time they see one of those people, that sends a message that there must be something wrong with those people. And really, there must be something wrong with them. When you tell us, when you tell us, we can go together as groups, we can play together, but we just don't date one another, and we don't mix our races. So that sends a message that there must be something wrong with that race. Hello? <laughs> That's just what I wrote. Now, once, you want somebody gets up and they get of age, they get to be 21, 18. Then they can choose to do what they want to. You ain't got no choice. You, you, you can't do nothing about it. They're on their own. I tell you what, the Bible says if you train a child up the way you want it to go, when it gets old, it won't depart. It now see, now this man, let me say you this. This man was raised on the Bible. Amen. This man didn't just get saved three weeks before he preached that sermon. He's been around the Word of God probably before he was born. It was in, almost in the genes, if you would. And, and, and that, was a, that was not a mistake because you can tell by the context of everything that he said, it fits right in. He says, you train up a child in the way you want it to go. That's unscriptural. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says you train up in the child the way he should go, which is God's way, not your racist, prejudiced way. There it is. Train up a child in the way you want it to go. That's exactly why we had a problem. If you train the child up in the way of God, it wouldn't be no problem with racism. You got the problem and you pass that icky disease onto your children. Wobble around a while, but it'll come back. Hello? You say, well, my Lord, soul, Pastor, you, you're talking heavy. I am, and I've gotten close to air conditioning because I'm sweating like everything. But I'll tell you something. I just decided that if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to turn over every stone there is. Like it or love it. Now, isn't that interesting? He said, I decided that if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going to turn over every stone. Now, why are you getting on my case for turning over every stone? See that? That's all right for him. So you see, to me then, that could not be just an offhand remark. He said he decided, I decided, if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going to turn over every stone. So that's not just an off-the-cuff 
spontaneous, extemporaneous statement. It's got to be premeditated. I decided if I'm going to teach on it, I'm going to turn over every rock. Amen or oh me. And I'm going to tell you what, you, I, I'm white and I'm saying this, so a lot of people, yeah, he did what? Hey, I've had a lot of, we have had a lot of the, the black parents that have come to us and they say, we don't like this, we don't want this. How do we stop it? Hello? Same way we do. Hello? That we enjoy fellowship with one another, that we can go together as groups, we can live and work together. We just don't go with one another and we just don't mix our races. And you say, rah, 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 rah. I hear some of you. That's fine. I won't tell you what, people. There's only, there's, what did you say, how many percent? Huh? There's only 13% of the population that is of your color. If we continue to mix it, you ain't going to be none of you left. <laughs> See, ain't nobody going to be able to say, black is beautiful. They're going to have to say, mix is beautiful. I don't mean that. What's wrong with mix? Amen. I mean, if you want it. You know, what, so what's so bad about mix? Uh, it, um, I don't think that we ought to mix any of the races. That's my personal... Oh, um, go ahead, go ahead. That's my personal opinion. Opinion, okay? Stop. Now, my personal opinion. Where do opinions come from? anybody's opinion. Opinions come from observation, association, and teaching. They're formed out of the crucible of those three. How can you be a minister of the gospel and minister, supposedly be ministering life to people and have an opinion that goes contrary to the Bible and then have the audacity to express it publicly? You don't think we ought to mix any of the races. Poor old God didn't know that. <laughs> I don't think we ought to mix any races. Why not? Out of one blood, God made all men for to dwell on the face of the whole earth. What's the problem? Okay, go ahead. I didn't tell you not to do it, and I'm not going to throw you out if you have but I'm just going to put you on a guilt trip. <laughs> no, I didn't tell you not to do it, and I'm not going to throw you out, but I'm going to put you on a guilt trip because your pastor doesn't think we ought to mix any of the races. What kind of message are you sending to people? But I'm talking about an issue that we have a problem with, not just in <laughs> church, and some of you that don't even know about it because, my Lord, <laughs> my wife said quit. It is a problem that is being had all over the United States. Now, he admits there's a problem. But it's not a racism problem. It's not a color, ethnic 
prejudice problem. It's an inner marriage problem. It's mixing that inferior black blood with the superior white blood. That's the real issue. And he said it's all, we have the problem all over America. Well, if we have the, if it is a problem, and I agree with him, and it's all over America, don't you think somebody ought to address the problem? Yes, sir. I have been assigned the task. And then, and then, I hope, I hope you noticed it. Then he said, my wife said to quit. Now, I want to know, I want to know that if he was talking about fornication, I wonder would she have told him to quit. I wonder if he had been talking about adultery, would he have told, would she have told him to quit? I, I wonder if he was talking about child beating and child abuse, would she have said for him to quit? I wonder if he was talking about, if he had been talking about abortion, would she have told him to quit? Why? He just said that, that we have a problem all over America, and she tells him, stop talking about the problem. No, I don't think so. I think the real issue is that they're letting the cat out of the bag. I think what's happening is that now everybody's going to know where they're really coming from, and we, we've kept it a secret basically up till now. Now it's out of the bag. Just stop. Don't talk anymore, because if you keep talking, then everybody's going to know how we truly feel on the inside. I think that is dishonest. Amen. I think that is downright dishonest. <laughs> yes, I'm angry. So go tell it on the mountain. I'm mad just like Jesus was mad when he went in the temple and whipped them turkeys out of there for selling in God's house. I'm just as righteously indignant as Jesus was when he stood in that group of people and there was a man there who had a withered hand. And the Bible said that Jesus told the man to stand forth in the midst. And then the Bible says he looked around upon them with anger, being grieved at the hardness of their hearts. That's kind of anger. I'm not mad at any individual person, but I'm angry about a situation that nobody before I ever got here, the problem was there, and nobody ever apparently addressed it because I wouldn't have to be dealing with it now if somebody had 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, had dealt with the doggone thing. So that's the kind of anger. It's holy, righteous indignation. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not mad at any group of people. Don't take it personally. But I'm mad about a principle that should have been dealt with and nobody dealt with it. I am... Mm -hmm. Not just here, but if we will establish relationships how can we establish a relationship based on dishonesty? That's what it amounts to. How are we going to have a relationship and you don't like me because I'm black? How are we going to have a relationship? And every time I come around you and bring my son, I'm on pins and needles because you're wondering whether he's going to drag your little old white nappy head girl out somewhere and marry her. Well, that's what it's all about. How are we going to have a relationship and I'm on my pins and needles all the time because you're wondering whether he's going to have eyes for your child or your child have eyes for him. How are we going to have a relationship? Give it a rest. <laughs> we can have tremendous results. We can live and work together in unity and harmony. And we can 
be what God wants us to be. And we can live right, talk right, do what God wants. But parents don't provoke your children. Children don't provoke your parents. Obey them if you want to live long. And I've gone too long. I'm sorry. Bow your heads, please. Okay. Now, again, my purpose in that tape was not to not to say anything about the individual. I did mention the person's name, and we bleeped out all the other names that anybody that does not already know the situation would not know, okay? That was not my purpose. My purpose was to deal with some information that came out of the tape, okay? And to me, it appears to be racist. And the Bible said, avoid that. Abstain from that. Now, this tape was given to me by a delegation of black ministers who were hurt, outraged, and bewildered by its content. They were doubly mystified by it coming from a ministry which was held in such high esteem in the charismatic community. They came to me because of my long-standing relationship with this ministry. I had to respond. <laughs> See, I, I could have kept quiet about it. I could have just let it pass by. Because, see, at that time, really, I was, in essence, I was the house nigger. God, and God did it. I didn't do it. I've never sought anybody's approval. I don't, I don't need that. I don't do that. I'm not impressed by people. I don't need to be around any so-called big folk. God is bigger than everybody, and I'm with God. That's good enough for me. And so I'm not, I'm not interested in being in up under somebody's behind, you know, sniffing around. I don't need to do that. But God did it. God raised me up and gave me a relationship, and I, and I know why now. As I look back in retrospect, I know why. Because it gave those people an opportunity to see over a 20-year period that we were just like they were. The only difference was the exterior color of our skin. They've been in our home, they've lived in our house, and they've ate at our table and eaten our food. And so they know that it really is no different. In fact, they even said later on when we talked about it, they said, well, we didn't look at you like that. So I had... I had to respond, see? And because I responded, they put me back in the field. I'm a field nigger now. And, and some others, hey, hey, and some others, some others who used to be field niggers, they now, in, they ran to the house. I kid you not. And they left me out in the field. Well, my wife and I confronted this man one-on-one, -on -one, because that's what the Bible says to do. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Galatians chapter 2. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, yeah, we getting down to the nitty, 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 gritty, 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 nitty. Mm-mm-mm. Galatians chapter... Ay, 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 ay. Galatians chapter 2. I might as well give it up. I'm out of time. I'm sorry. I got to stop. But listen, stay right where you are. If this message has been a blessing to you, the announcer will tell you some very important information about how you may obtain an offer. It's, it's essential and it's an integral part of the relationship. Communication. We have to communicate uh, vigorously with one another because if there's a breakdown in communications, then, you know, pretty much everything else fails. So we need to have an open and honest communication, which is a healthy, which is key to a healthy relationship. So make sure you're both on the same page about 
about your goals, your values, and your expectations. And especially when it comes to God. Make sure you're open about that. Make sure you're on the, pain, on the same page with God. And sometimes, you know, we get together and we can be unequally yoked, but okay, I, I may be drifting into another direction on that one, so I'm stay on, I'm stay on point here. Number four, don't be afraid to argue. Don't be afraid to argue. In other words, don't be afraid to disagree. Sometimes we can, see, here's the thing. Sometimes we can, we will want to pander to the other person. Just, just, to, just to get along. But in the long run, you wind up hurting yourselves even more because you're, you know, you're agreeing when you don't want to. So it's not so much argue, but disagree. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to disagree because... Realistically, we all need to grow as adults. If you have a disagreement, it's okay, just as long as we're not uh, putting down one another, browbeating one another, verbally assaulting one another. You know, there, there's ways to do this. So instead of avoiding conflict, try to approach it you know, in a, in a constructive way that allows you to express your feelings and find a resolution. Now, for a lot of people, that can, that can be hard, but that's, that's something that needs to be worked on. Number five, take care of yourself. Do not take your spouse for granted. Do not take yourself for granted. Take care of yourself. You know, it's important to Take care of your own physical and emotional needs in order to be the best partner you can be. In order to be the best spouse you can be. Make sure you're getting enough sleep. Make sure you exercise. Um, make sure you, you, you eat healthy as best you can. You know, I know it in, in, to, you know, in the hustle and bustle of this world, we, we're always in a rush, rush, rush. But uh, take the time to take care of yourself. Take the, take the time to take care of each other. Uh, you know, it, it's imperative that we, first of all, as people, as people, we take care of ourselves in order to be a, a steward for God. We need to be healthy for God. We, 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 we need to continue to look at God first. Be healthy for God and then be healthy for each other. Because it, it's counterproductive if we're always sickly. It's counterproductive if we're always sickly and how are we going to be, how are we going to be a shining light for God? How are we going to be um, um, able to move forward as a couple promoting God's word if we're always sickly. 
and I know there's some situations out there, some things, you know, go on um, that um, that there's just life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about situations where we let we may let ourselves go situations that can be avoided. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm not talking about things that are inherited. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things that can be avoided. Okay. Number six, we have to learn to forgive. You know, forgiveness is an important part of any relationship. Forgiveness. Forgiveness also is a big thing with God. Because how how do we you know, we want him to forgive us, but how, how, you know, how we, we want him to forgive us, but yet we can be, have a situation where we're, we're not forgiving someone else. But if we're not forgiving someone else, then he can't forgive us. And especially in a relationship, forgiveness is an important part of any relationship. So holding on to grudges and, and resentments will damage your relationship over a period of time. It will. And like I said, all you're doing is shortchanging yourselves when you don't forgive. That's biblical. That's law. Number seven, keep, try to keep the romance alive. Again, don't take each other for granted. You know, you come home every day and you sit in front of the TV you eat your dinner and then that be it? No, 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 no. You got to spice things up. Okay, spruce things up. So even after years of marriage, and say me and my wife, we've been married uh, 38 years. Okay? So it's important to keep the romance alive. Surprise your, your spouse with uh, small gestures of affection. You know, such as a love note or a thoughtful gift. Um, just telling, telling them they look beautiful, telling them they look handsome, you know, a uh, uh, little pinch on the butt, you know, things like that. Just keep things going, keep things alive, keep things fresh. Number eight, seek help when you need it. Now, if you're struggling with issues in your marriage, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to seek help. You know, first of all, as always, seek God first. Seek Christian, godly Christian counsel first. Okay? Go to your pastor. Go to um, someone who is very knowledgeable. Especially go to someone who who's been married for a long time and you know they they they've got a, a good head on their shoulders some common sense all right seek godly christian counsel and even outside of that say a psychiatrist a godly psychiatrist okay but seek help, all right? And number nine, as I've been saying also, 
number one is and number nine, co- you know, I, sh- I should say number one is put Jesus. F- number one, a put Jesus first. Number nine, put Jesus first. Give God first place in your life. Give, give God first place in your marriage. God the Father set the framework of marriage. And his reason for marriage is for a man and a woman to bond as one to populate with children. And as being like-minded and be godly individuals who spread the word of the gospel. We are to be like-minded individuals, also in tune with God being like-minded, and we are to be union in union in union with God spreading the gospel because when we get married it's not about our happiness happiness is a prerequisite of marriage happiness is an offshoot of marriage you get married to come together to unite, to produce like-minded individuals spreading the word of the gospel. That is what marriage is about. So remember, every relationship is unique and what works for one couple may not work for another. However, These tips can be a a good starting point for building a strong and healthy relationship. And I'll say again, in every relationship, put Jesus first. No said. Hmm. Okay, I want to give you nine tips to help your marriage last. Now, I myself, me and my wife, Janesta, we've been married uh, 38 years. And we dated, let's see, two years prior to that. So altogether 40, year, 40 years. Now we've had our ups, we've had our downs. We've been separated. Uh, hey, we, we've, we've gone through it all almost. We've got three kids, well, three, three sons, all grown, four grandchildren. <clears throat> so, and through thick and thin, we're here to stay. Putting God first. All right. Number one, you need to make time for, for each other. Spending quality time together is essential for maintaining a strong relationship. We got to spend that time together. You know, try to um, set aside time each week to do something that you both enjoy. Now, we we love to have a set aside a, a, a date night. I don't say like on a, a Friday. Uh, we'll go see a movie or whatever. But the main thing is to um, specify some time together spending that quality time together. Now, we also do this, you know, um, well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let me 
Then we move on to the next one to segue into number two, prioritize each other. This is what I was wanting to say is that each day we try to make sure we prioritize each other. Meaning that when we both come home from work, uh, now I'm, I'm taking the char- I'm taking more charge in this than she is, is that come home from work, I want to make sure that um, she puts some time in, tell me about her day and vice versa, all right? Instead of me first going off and um, doing whatever that I like to do, I want to hear what she has to say. I want her to, to um, hear from me, so to speak. We, we're prioritizing one another. And I, I'm very specific about that with her. At first, she didn't, she wasn't too much on board with that because when she, now she loves, she loves a, to take care of her plants and she would come home and make a beeline for her plants. And I was like, oh, wait up, hold up, hold up. Get with me first. Check me out first, not your plants. Okay? Prioritize. And there's, you know, some situations where it's, she had to get me in, in check on the same, you know, also. So, but that's what I'm talking about. Prioritize. Make sure your spouse knows that they are a priority in your life. Number three, communicate. Communicate with each one of these situations goes hand in hand. You got to communicate. You have to. Have an open and honest communication, which is key to a healthy relationship. It's key to a healthy relationship. Make sure you're both on the same page, especially when it comes to finances and goals. Make sure you're both on the same page. Um, you know, talk, talk about your values, your expectations, and so forth. Make sure that something comes up. You know, somebody makes advances towards you. Let your spouse know. Okay? That, something like that is very important. Don't let things just, you know, it, it may start out, of, out as a little spark and all of a sudden there's a, a roaring fire going on because you have not communicated. 